the abortion pill is extremely dangerous to women, like way more than surgical abortion. People don't realize this, but uh, a recent study from the Charlotte Lozier Institute said that 34% of women who take the abortion pill will end up in the emergency room. Wow. And the abortion industry, by the way, is telling women who do go to the emergency room for these very common complications to say that they're having a miscarriage. So we don't even know if it's more than 34%, to be frank. Hi, welcome to Wild and Beautiful. We're Joanna Hyatt and Lauren Enriquez, your co-hosts who every week are helping you live out your faith in a way that's biblically rooted, but culturally relevant. It's good to be back. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Christine did a great job last week. I enjoyed that interview. I don't know if people realize this. Actually, the reason you should follow her is because weekly she does a roundup of memes and that is worth it. (laughs) Oh, true. um, Christine's are my favorite. And then there's another like non-Christian or anything account, but it's Broma Bakery. I want to make everything that she cooks. But on Fridays or Mondays, she has a certain day of the week where she does a roundup too, and they're hilarious. I'm going to have to look at that. I, I, I don't know what Instagram is saying, but it is constantly suggesting to me videos of people decorating cookies. And mm. so I just don't know if it knows that I'm pregnant and it's like just trying to feed feed the habit uh, or if they're just like, this is your second calling. You should probably just decorate cookies. It's far less controversial. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So two <laughs> things on that. You're, you've already perfected the bread making and I can confirm, guys, she brought me bread one time and it was phenomenal. The most beautiful bread Thank I've ever you. seen. So now that you've nailed that, Instagram is like, all right, time for moving on to cookies. Also, when I was growing up, we were poor and my mom made cakes for extra income and it's a great little side hustle. So you go, you go girl. Oh, right. Cause I need another side hustle. (laughs) (laughs) We all know you can handle it. That would be again, far less controversial cake baking. Oh, no. Well, Jack, the cake baker out of Colorado. (laughs) Shoot. (laughs) This is why we can't have nice things. No. And why we can't try to pursue things that aren't controversial because by our very nature, we are, which (laughs) that's a whole, anyway, different podcast. But uh, today, because it is the anniversary of sort of the mark, I mean, this was so great. So Roe versus Wade was passed in January of 1973. And here we are, January 2023, the March for Life is happening in Washington, D.C. this week. Uh, There are probably marches happening around uh, the country, depending on where you live. There's one happening in my hometown this Saturday that I'll be attending. Nice. It's so sweet. And it's so great, by the way, to to go to that. But it would have been 50 years of legalized abortion in this country. And they came up short. Thank goodness. Last June, as you all know, Roe versus Wade was overturned by the Supreme Court. So we're making this episode sort of a roundup of what is happening uh, lately Mm -hmm. in terms of abortion and headlines and the pro-life movement because, I mean, it's been like a hot second since we talked about abortion. And I know y'all miss that. Y'all miss that. It has. So which headline do we want to tackle first? There are a few good ones. Yeah. So let's take Congress. 
They we finally we, have a Speaker of the House. We do. <laughs> yes. I don't know. All the politicos that listen are fully up to date on this. But for those of you who aren't, there was like a historic gridlock on getting a Speaker of the House once the Republicans took over. It's It hasn't happened in a long time or it's hundred years before. 100, 100 years, years. Which is basically the whole history of America. <laughs> let's be honest. Uh, yeah. That they finally, Speaker McCarthy, who was gunning for it the whole time, finally did make enough concessions to win the speakership. So now let's just yeah. pray that the Republicans make good on all of these concessions and agreements and get some good things done. Which one of the first bills that they mm-hmm. passed was basically infant born alive uh, bill, yeah. which let's be clear, it did not limit abortion. It did not criminalize a woman who sought an abortion, even though that abortion would have failed or had failed. Mm-hmm based on this bill. Neither did it criminalize doctors who had performed the abortion. The only purpose of this bill, okay, you got to understand this before we tell you how people voted. The only purpose of this bill was to say that doctors need to provide the same level of and reasonable care to a child who survives an abortion as they Mm -hmm. would provide to any other child who, say, had been born premature and was in need any of medical help. Any child born alive. Mm-hmm. Or born alive, yeah. It just makes so, it consistent. Any child born alive, you have to treat Any child born alive. You make it out of the womb alive, you get the certain level of care. And I, I don't know, that seems reasonable to me. That doesn't seem like any sort of an attack on abortion. It's crazy no. that we have to debate that, that that's even a question. Uh, but just before you go on, it did pass the House. It did pass the House. It did not pass the Senate, and it will not pass the Senate. So we're talking about this as something that passed, but not something that's actually going to make it across the final, final finish line and go into effect. Right. So so in some ways, this is more of a uh, signal bill of just, hey, the Republican Party in the House is positioning themselves as being pro-life and putting the other side on record because the other side, in this case being Democrats, uh, they voted, every single one of them except one, against this bill. Again, this bill did not limit abortion. This bill did not criminalize a woman who'd sought an abortion, a doctor who had performed abortion. It simply said, we have to provide the same amount of care to a child born alive after a botched abortion as we would to a child born alive in any other circumstance. And if a doctor did not, then they could face penalties. And yet every single member but one votes against this. And what was really interesting was to hear sort of the rationale Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you have, for instance, Representative Hillary Shulton out of uh, Michigan. She's a Democrat. And there's a video online. She's, she's on the floor using Jeremiah 1.5 as her justification. Now, Jeremiah 1.5 says, I knew you before I formed you, before I placed you in your mother's womb. Like, I had plans for you. And Mm -hmm. she used that as justification to say, God places people in the mother's womb, not the government's womb, not the politician's womb. And I thought, right, but you just acknowledge it's a mother. It's a fully, like, it's a fully known, intentionally created person. And that's your justification. Not, it wasn't even abortion for withholding medical care for a child who survives the hit job. Yeah. So they're not even in the mother's womb. No. When these killings are taking place. This isn't even technically abortion. It's infanticide. It absolutely is. So even if you are under some kind of wild impression that God was making a commentary on abortion when he inspired Jeremiah 1.5, the the logic still doesn't add up. 
No. They're not in their mother's womb anymore when they're no. killed. Maybe we should talk about what this bill sought to ban in a little more detail in case people don't know. <laughs> Knock yourself out. Sure. Okay. So this is a bill <laughs> that has been, it's like, uh, it keeps reappearing every session. The Republicans are completely unable to pass it no matter how many times it, it appears in Congress. Um, but this bill is designed to say that if a child is born, like Joe said, and survives an abortion, is born alive. So whatever attempt was made on their life prior to them emerging from the birth canal did not work. Maybe the child is perfectly fine. Maybe the child is wounded. Maybe the child is very premature, but otherwise can receive care. Whatever you would do to any other child that was born alive has to be administered to this child who survived an abortion. And people will say, well, this is a fictional circumstance. This doesn't actually happen. Children don't survive abortions. The reality is that this happens all the time. We do this is a little bit of a separate rant. We don't have a national abortion reporting law, so we don't know how often it happens. We do have enough research to know that it absolutely does happen, and it happens on a fairly regular basis. We also have individuals who are alive today who did survive abortion, and we know this from their own medical records. There's no possibility that they have made up these stories about their lives. We can see medical documentation from their births that this child was born and survived an, abor uh, survived an abortion. Most children who survive abortions do not survive much longer after birth because they are killed either through an intentional act. Babies have been placed in buckets of liquid. They've been strangled. They've had their necks snapped. I'm sorry that this is very graphic. This is how children are killed after they survive abortions. Or in many instances, and we know this from nurse testimony in hospitals where these abortions take place, they're like left in a closet or on a table or a tray to just kind of die of exposure, basically. They're not administered the care that they need in order to survive. And these are children who are old enough to survive in most cases if they receive care. That's why we need this law. It's kind of like a bare minimum thing that we should all be able to agree on, um, but something that for a multitude of reasons, Congress has never been able to pass. I mean, Nancy Pelosi, who is a professed Catholic, uh, tweeted about how this was, a, you know, anti-woman, extreme MAGA legislation. I thought, are we talking about the same same bill? Oh, mm -hmm. but we are. And and all all the Democratic women were white, you know, to align themselves with the suffragists. I thought, I kept thinking of that movie, uh, <laughs> The Princess Bride, where that guy is saying, you keep using that word, but I don't think you know I what it means. I don't think you know what it means. <laughs> And that's what I often feel like in these types of conversations. Like mm -hmm. you keep using these words of, you know, pro-woman and women's attack. I don't think you know what that means. You're, mm -hmm. you're a feminist. You're a suffragist. You align with the, the suffragist movement. I don't think you know what that actually means. And, and listen, as somebody who has gone undercover, when I went undercover, I was 26 weeks pregnant. And mm -hmm. one of the questions that I would ask is, listen, if this child for some reason survives this abortion, I can't be stuck with a baby. Can you, can you ensure that that's not going to happen? Can you guarantee me I'm not going to have a child coming home with me? Just in case and, people don't know, you went undercover where? Oh, I went undercover to um, most of the prominent late-term abortionists in this country, as mm -hmm. well as some Planned Parenthoods. And so these are abortionists who commit abortions 
third trimester. In the third trimester on a, mm-hmm. on a regular basis, um, which again, third trimester, even in the middle of the second trimester, that child can survive outside the womb with medical help mm-hmm. um, in the same way like my two-year-old needs help to survive. So right. we're not going to split hairs about when when they get humanity and when they don't. Um, but they would tell me, oh, don't worry. Like, we'll handle it. Don't don't look at the baby. I mean, one went so far as to say, and I, I didn't visit this person, but this is another video that's there. Um, and this video is, you know, on Live Action's website to say like, well, you know, we, we would just kind of leave it. We would not take the same measures we would take if you wanted that child. Mm-hmm. And so you have these doctors on record saying if if a child survives, yep. so clearly it does. And they never say like, nothing. oh, that's that's never going to No, happen. they don't say, they, oh, that's, that's that never their response no. because it always happens. Yeah. Okay, we can keep okay. going on this one. Let's let's hit the next headline, which happened recently, mm-hmm. which was the federal government slash administration's attempt to expand access to the abortion pill. Now, we're yes. not going to get into what is the abortion pill today. That's a whole separate episode Ooh, we will we'll do. We'll do an episode on that. Oh, full episode. Lauren's becoming an expert. Uh, <laughs> it, but But why does this one matter for all of us to know about? This matters because the abortion pill kills children, first and foremost. That's why yep. it matters. Almost every child who is attacked by the abortion pill will starve to death and die. The second reason why it matters is because the abortion pill is extremely dangerous to women, like way more than surgical abortion. People don't realize this, but uh, a recent study from the Charlotte Lozier Institute said that 34% of women who take the abortion pill will end up in the emergency room. Wow. And the abortion industry, by the way, is telling women who do go to the emergency room for these very common complications to say that they're having a miscarriage. So we don't even know if it's more than 34%, to be frank. But in spite of the risks to women, and the risks are usually hemorrhage, infection, um, and then there's a lot of trauma that's associated a lot of times because women don't realize they're going to see a fully formed baby in the process as any woman who's had a miscarriage you know what you see when you miscarry. And in many cases, these children are older than children who would be miscarried. So they're 13 weeks, 14 weeks, 15 weeks. These are pretty large babies in some cases. So despite all of this, the Biden administration has thought it's a great idea to keep making the abortion pill more and more accessible. Prior to the Biden administration and prior to COVID, it was there were some pretty strong regulations around the abortion pill. So it it was very common and r- relatively uh, attainable in states where abortion was legal, which was everywhere prior to the Dobbs decision. But before women could get it, they had to be evaluated by a physician. They had to go to uh, a physician to obtain the pill. In many cases, they had to take it in front of the the physician. So this cut out a lot of potential side effects. This cut out the possibility in most cases of missing an ectopic pregnancy, which if not treated can be deadly. It cut out the possibility that a rapist could order these pills and force his girlfriend or victim to take them. It cut out the possibility of a woman not being given full information about what the side effects could be. Um, in most cases, they they could test her blood for RH factor to make sure that she was treated before taking the pill and her future fertility wasn't affected. All of it that also, is being done. Mm-hmm. Well, it also was meant to, hopefully, in some cases, let a woman know how far along she actually was. Yeah. Because the pill had been approved, I think, up until 10 weeks. Yeah. Uh, and And, of course, the abortion industry keeps pushing that limit. But you know, the further along you are, 
not only do you see a larger child, mm-hmm. but also there's more complications to you yeah. to to abort your child in that way. And, and so it was more, meant, for example. Yeah, it was meant to protect in some level. I mean, I say that with air quotes. Right. Um, it was meant to try to better protect a, a woman who was having an abortion. Mm-hmm. Yep. And now because the Biden administration is more committed to abortion access than they are to women's health, and of course the child is completely forgotten in this equation regardless of the way you slice it, uh, his his agencies have taken steps to make the abortion pill more accessible in really dangerous ways. So the latest things that have happened is Biden's FDA, Food and Drug Administration, uh, said that all retail pharmacies can now dispense the abortion pill. This effectively creates up to, I think the research is more than 18,000 new abortion facilities because every Walgreens, CVS, all your retail pharmacy chains and mom and pop shops will now have the option to become certified. And I know Walgreens recently uh, did state that they were going to get certified. So all the Walgreens facilities will basically become abortion facilities dispensing these pills. So this is one thing the Biden administration has done. Another thing is that his DOJ, his Department of Justice, issued an opinion which said that the USPS, the U.S. Postal Inspectors, can bring these drugs into states where they are illegal. For example, Texas. Texas has outlawed abortion, just like several other states have fully outlawed abortion, but we have thousands of abortion pills coming into our state. And so this is the next frontier of state legislation that's going to have to be addressed by states that have outlawed abortion and by hopefully every other state after that um, as they address surgical abortion at the same time. It's my understanding, too, that the FDA issued their thing, you know, in the morning or whatever, and then several hours later, the DOJ had this 20-page memo, which I'm like, wow, I've never known a government agency to work so quickly. So did y'all know in advance (laughs) and collaborate on this? And they came up with 20 pages of legal workarounds to the Postal Service's question of, well, can we be just, I mean, it just smacks of collaboration to, oh, I'm sure. not going to say collusion because that feels like such a conspiracy theory word, but this idea this of like, conspiracy though, <laughs> uh, you know, that just this, this push to expand abortion. And, and again, so the first thing we talked about, like, doesn't even touch abortion. This second one actually increases the danger for women. Women have died from taking the abortion pill. Mm -hmm. And so in both instances, there's really this hypocrisy of we care about women, we care about autonomy, we care about health. No, you don't. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, And so as you're talking to your friends, you know, I think both of these are a great instance where you can just ask some questions, especially if, if you have friends that would say, well, you know, I'm, I'm pro-choice because I would never pick that. Like, but, um, I don't want to limit, you know, Mm -hmm. those kind of statements. This is an opportunity to say, Hey, what do you think about what just happened in Congress? For instance, Mm -hmm. um, you know, do do you, do you think that that people should have voted? Does this seem common sense to you? Again, you don't have to come in guns blazing, but just start asking questions that plant a seed for people to think about this. Or, Mm -hmm. Hey, did you see the push from the Biden administration to expand access to the abortion pill? Like, how does this affect women? How does this mm-hmm. help make sure that they are not being coerced, that they are not, once again, um, you know, 
being sort of run over and hurt by the men in their life who don't want them to be pregnant. I mean, Christine just talked in our last week's episode about how she, in finding herself in an unexpected pregnancy as a single woman, wanted to keep the baby. And the father of the child was like, no, I want you to have an abortion and I'll even pay you $50,000 to do it. Mm -hmm. So here's just one more way where we're actually empowering the abuser and men Mm -hmm. uh, to strong arm women into doing what they want, not what a woman wants. Yeah. And it's very scary. (laughs) We could rant about this all day. Oh, man. It's very frustrating with the abortion pill in particular. As as we say, the Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, liberals, however you want to divide this pool of people, they don't agree on the humanity of the preborn child and protecting children. What we purportedly both agree in is protecting women's health. But then when you see these efforts to just put women at complete risk of shock, infection, her dead child being left inside her body, this trauma, these hemorrhages that are happening to thousands of women every month, I just don't see the argument that the other side can say, I really care about women if this is your agenda. So I think we have to be aware of what's going on so that we can call it out when we hear these hypocritical claims about caring about Mm -hmm. women's health and really just call people out for the fact that if you don't care if a baby is killed, it's hard to believe that you also care about women's health. There's hypocrisy there too. Absolutely. So let's take that last point you made about (laughs) caring for women. So yeah, you had a fun conversation this week. (laughs) I did. I was talking to someone... Um, in the pro-life movement. So it really surprised me when I heard their opinion. We were talking about Planned Parenthood and how Planned Parenthood needs to be shut down. Well, that's what most (laughs) pro-lifers believe. But this particular person, I think they might be newer to the pro-life movement. And they were under the impression that Planned Parenthood was actually like a, a good organization, except that they do abortions. So they're thought was if we can just have Planned Parenthood stop committing abortions, you know, by making abortion illegal, for example, then Planned Parenthood will just become a good organization because everything else they're doing other than abortion is okay. And so for anyone who hasn't been following (laughs) Planned Parenthood ever, um, that's not correct. So we're just going to dive in a little. (laughs) We want to unpack that because uh, uh, we'll be honest, we were both a little stunned. She called Mm -hmm. me and I proceeded to tell her what she already knows. Lauren's like, Joanne, I agree with you. Thank you. Um, But it made us pause and say, actually, that might be a more common perception of Planned Parenthood than people realize. And and I kind of thought back to an old roommate I had who was like, well, Planned Parenthood, she actually didn't even know that Planned Parenthood did abortion. Mm -hmm. And she was a Christian. And she was like, well, I just go there for my birth control. They don't do all this other stuff. And you're like, oh, oh, but they do. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in these last few minutes, we we just want to talk about them specifically. Because Mm -hmm. even though... Roe versus Wade has been overturned. Um, That doesn't mean that abortion has gone away. And Planned Parenthood is still the largest provider of abortions in this country. Yep. And even though the abortion pill is spreading, which is probably carving into their bottom line on some level at some point, um, Planned Parenthood is still making themselves a force to be reckoned with, not just in abortion, but on the gender sexuality mm-hmm. confusion movement. And so True. all around, they're just bad news. They are bad news. That. So a couple stats. Last year, according to their own annual report, Planned Parenthood killed 383,460 children. Wow. That's way more than a quarter of a million. 
It's about 40% of the abortion market in the United States is owned by this one organization. By contrast, there's not like another organization that owns the other 60%. The other 60% is divided up among like independent clinics and hospitals. So Planned Parenthood is the only like conglomerate of abortion in the United States. And because they have such a large business, Planned Parenthood is what I call the kingpin of the abortion industry. And that's because Planned Parenthood has $2 billion in assets and $1.7 billion in revenue last year. No other abortion business has that amount of funds. They're getting $630 million in taxpayer funding each year from you and me. And so what this allows them to do is it gives them the power to control several important things that perpetuate abortion and keep the abortion industry alive. It gives them the power to elect pro-abortion politicians, which we all saw them do if we were watching the midterms. They helped to elect President Biden as well. It gives them the power to control the cultural narrative around abortion. So Planned Parenthood has a strong marketing wing. They even have somebody whose full-time job is to be a Hollywood script reviewer. This person is in charge of reviewing scripts to make sure that they talk about abortion in a way that Planned Parenthood approves of. Planned Parenthood is in all state and government taxpayer funding from the local to state to federal level at every level at, in the federal government, they are funded by so many agencies. It would blow your socks off if you saw the list. It's insane. But this, this power gives them the ability to really keep the rest of the industry afloat. So I believe that if you take down Planned Parenthood, and I believe there's ways to do that, then you really cripple the entire industry. And I don't think the rest of the, abor the abortion industry can survive without Planned Parenthood. And so that is why if you get sick of hearing about Planned Parenthood from the pro-life movement, um, that's why we're obsessed with them. Because if you take down Planned Parenthood, you take down abortion in the United States and to some degree internationally because they have a very strong presence in other countries as well. Another thing to remember with Planned Parenthood is a lot of states, they are involved in the sex ed curriculum um, that is created, that is approved, and that is implemented into public schools. Yes. So I can tell you, for instance, here in Washington State, there is a, a short list of curriculum that is approved and people, providers of that curriculum that is approved by the um, state superintendent's office to be taught in the public schools. They meet a certain standard that was created by the legislature. Who do you think set that standard and helped it, like helped create that standard? Planned Parenthood. Mm -hmm. So Planned Parenthood helped create the standard that would ensure that only their approved programs met the qualifications to be the only programs taught in mm -hmm. a classroom. Not a conflict of interest at all. Giving them access and authority, essentially, whether by directly having their representatives in or uh, by just, you know, being the clinic that uh, a teacher might say, by the way, if you need any resources beyond right. this, you can go to. It gives them access to kids. It mm -hmm. gives them access to kids who are thinking about being sexually active. So Planned Parenthood has never been known for a strong stance on abstinence because— No, they're against it. Well, it destroys their entire business model. Yep. It's really hard to prescribe— um, 
birth control, to do STD tests, and of course, their big moneymaker abortion if people are not sexually active. So you need people to be sexually active and mm-hmm. you need a pipeline of clients. Yep. Enter in junior high and high school students. It's a brilliant they, business model. It's a brilliant it. business model because you grab people when they are young and looking for uh, you know, a source of authority but also kind of pushing back on their parents and trying to find their own way. And so you establish yourself as the ally and the source of authority, which grows into this long relationship of, no, of course not. We're just prescribing birth control. We don't want you to get pregnant. Oh, but then you did get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, you know, here's your options. And again, as somebody who has gone undercover um, and who has led undercover investigations into Planned Parenthood on this very question of what are the resources they're not big on talking about adoption or on talking about parenting or providing prenatal care. Right. And and so so you have that as a big concern. And now we're seeing that Planned Parenthood is expanding their business model to offer hormone therapy to young people who come in yes. and they're not they're not vetting them. They're not doing a massive, you know, like let's meet with a counselor, let's let's really talk to a doctor, let's involve your parents in this. They're giving hormones to these young people, sometimes underage, mm-hmm. and allowing them to make these massive choices mm-hmm. unassisted, but they make money off of it. They do. Planned Parenthood actually came out with a letter. I don't think they wanted the rest of us to see it, but it was online, (laughs) where they acknowledge that they're the second largest purveyor of so-called hormone replacement therapy in the country. Planned Parenthood is the second largest vendor of these drugs to people. And when I say people, I mean young people because the drugs don't work that well if you take them when you're older. Um, And there are there's people I, I watch. I found a really fascinating um, woman on YouTube who's in the process of detransitioning. She's not pro-life. She's not conservative, but she shares about how she started her journey at Planned Parenthood um, on like a whim. She decided to become a boy one day when she was really young. I think she was 18. Wow. She went into Planned Parenthood and walked out with a prescription for hormone for testosterone. They didn't tell her anything about any of the side effects. They gave her no information about which changes would be permanent. So now she sounds like a man for the rest of her life, even though she stopped taking the drugs. Um, They didn't refill her prescriptions on time. They didn't do blood tests. So she had way too much testosterone in her system at certain points. I mean, even as a provider of these hormones, Planned Parenthood's really bad at it. They're really bad at everything they provide good or bad, uh, whether what they're providing is good or bad, they do it badly. Um, so yeah, the, the, the country is just going to be a better place when we can shut down this business. So if you hear someone tell you, you know, but Planned Parenthood's actually great. They do so much for women. Again, just ask a question. What do you mean they do? Like explain to me what they do for women. Mm -hmm. Okay. How is that help women? Well, you know, they provide birth control. Again, how is that helping a woman? Mm-hmm. All they're doing is they're equipping a woman to shut down her fertility without any real knowledge of the way her body works, without any questions about why are you doing this? Is this the mm-hmm. best decision for you right now? Is this relationship a good relationship for you? Um, you know, don't be afraid in seeking to be wild and beautiful to ask those questions. Again, we're not making, we don't have to make statements. We can just ask the question that causes a person to think one degree deeper mm-hmm. uh, about a lot of this because we hear these headlines uh, that get spit out and we think, oh, 
that must be true. You're like, probably not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and yeah. you can't, you, you can't have this morally corrupt piece of your business, abortion, and think that somehow the rest of the business is going to be wholesome and good. It just doesn't work that way. If you have morally approved of something that is really clearly horrible, um, then it's going to probably seep into the rest of your worldview because it's a part of your worldview. It's a part of the way you view humanity, the way you view individuals and rights and uh, you know what is right and what is wrong. Uh, so don't be afraid to question and don't be afraid to ask questions of other people. And on that note, we're going to wrap up this episode. We could talk about abortion all day long. Okay, friends, thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you check to see if there's a March for Life happening in your area. Uh, go join it, participate, take your kids if you have them, drag your neighbors, your parents, whatever, your roommate. Uh, it's great. You'll be encouraged by seeing other people in your city and in your state who, who stand with you um, and who are joyfully on the side of life and mothers and fathers and children. And as always, rate, review this, and don't forget to be wild and beautiful in your interactions. 